0: hi everyone and welcome to the Carmen show my name is kevin and i am co-host this week with nigel hi nigel hi kevin hi everybody And for those of you that are unfamiliar, let me just do a brief intro as to who we are, what we're about. So we're in conjunction with The Calming Zone, which helps parents and teachers to...
1: How how should we describe it? You describe it this week, Nigel. Go on. Our aim is to try to help people be more relaxed, be less stressed and to learn to cope better with whatever comes along. Because there's all sorts of events coming on. As a parent, you've got children who occasionally might misbehave, or not perform as well as you'd like, or might (laughs) be... Yes, it does happen. Uh, And as a teacher, of course, you might have some classes or some individuals, even some colleagues perhaps, which cause a little bit bit of inconvenience or discontent in life. So our aim is to try and help everybody lower their overall stress levels, so that when something serious really really does kick in, they're able to raise, spike their their stress levels up to, to throw out the right sort of chemicals. So we want to lower the background noise, if you like, for everybody. And uh, our belief is that if you can do that for teachers, you can do it for parents, then the children, it's the children we're focusing on really, will benefit uh, in an indirect way. So that's my take on it anyway. But we also want to develop a community. We want two communities, the communities of parents and the community of teachers who are totally separate. They can't interact with each other online. But we want them to get in, be members and even get involved and actually post things, answer questions, ask questions, and just support each other, really. Because there's so many people who are fantastic at supporting each other, have been through an awful lot and got a lot to offer. So let's see if we can pull all that together. So that's my take. Perfect. OK. So uh, the show
0: that we run every week, this is week number two. So show number two, if you like. And the idea is is that if people are watching this and they want to contribute to the conversation, brilliant, type your comments in. If you want to come on camera with us, then I will actually put a, a link up in the comments right now where you can click that link and you can come on here with us. So if you've got thoughts that you want to share or anything like that, then you're more than welcome to join us. Well, right, I've just added that on now. So... Uh, We've got Laura, who's one of the team, I believe, coming in a little bit later on. So that would be quite cool. Um, But we just basically look at stuff that's going on in the world around us over the last week. You know, things that industries, all types of things where they're tackling the idea of stress and anxiety in different scenarios and sort of seeing, well, is this something that's a good idea? Is it worth exploring? That type of thing. Um, And just opening the conversation, really, because I think fundamentally, with everything to do with stress and anxiety, opening the conversation is the first stage to anything. Um, And that's really what we're trying to do today, is just get that conversation going. So I go off and I find these really quite fun and interesting headlines. And then if it's Nigel or Laura or Christine, I say to you, well, what do we think about this? And I've got five this week. so. And one of them's really quite interesting, so I'm going to leave that one till last. Okay, right, um, <laughs> where's I the cracking I've got a clue. So, <clears throat> right, okay. This one, and I've I've got pre-organized this week, so I'm really quite proud of myself that I've managed okay. to get it. So it's going to flash up on the screen, so oh, well, clever. you can see it. So this is technology is awesome. Okay, so here we go with number one bad sleep can increase emotional stress by up to 30%. So stress, what they're saying is, has a massive impact on uh, poor sleep, has a massive impact on emotional stress. What's your thoughts, Nigel? Well,
1: lots, actually. You can't function well at any level if you're not sleeping well. You can't revise for exams. You can't uh, go attend decent meetings and perform well in the workplace. You can't be a good colleague you can't be a good lover you can't be a good partner you can't be good you can't be at your max if you're not sleeping well bad sleep let's look at the break this down bad sleep well i go into schools i go to businesses and i talk about how you can improve your sleep levels and one of the questions i always ask people is what how how much sleep do they think they need and in other words i'm trying to get to the bottom of what do they think is bad sleep bad sleep is interrupted sleep to the vast majority of people bad sleep is finding it difficult to get to sleep 15 or 20 minutes or so or more up to 10 15 okay you know that should be okay really but when it gets to an hour <laughs> you certainly are having bad sleep. and waking up too early or waking up too late mm. This is and you know i get people who come see me individually about sleep to fill in a diary for two three weeks with all sorts of figures and how much they slept and all the rest of it and fitbits are great for that but actually if you wake up in the morning And you feel tired, I mean, really pretty tired, not just, oh, I wish I was asleep, but really tired, then that's a bad night's sleep. And if you have several nights of that, then it is going to hit you. It's going to hit your chemical levels in all sorts of areas. And one of them is going to boost your stressy chemicals and it will lower your goody chemicals, if you like. That will lead to physical stress. It will lead to self, um, it will lead you to. Have a pretty low opinion of yourself low opinion of other people it will get you tetchy it will get you short-tempered it will get you whatever emotional stress and you won't be able to cope as well that will feed back in you feel feeling worse and so the cycle will continue i'm not convinced by the 30 percent. i mean how do you quantify this it's done by a you know purely subjective thing it it, it wouldn't surprise me but some people it might be far more than that you, know, you might be terribly relaxed about life and go through anything and can bounce back for anything. But actually, as soon as they have three, four nights bad sleep, I mean really bad sleep, three, four hours in total, they are absolutely because they're not used to it. Because if they haven't most of the time they have a really good night's sleep and they're quite together and all that, as soon as they hit that hurdle, something happens and they can't sleep for several nights, they seem to suffer the most in my experience. And so I don't want to wish bad sleep on everybody. But it's, it's like all sorts of things. Uh, you know, I was teaching uh, some people, uh, various things, and they had no problems at all. And it wasn't until they got to A-level or even at university that this hit the hurdle of really difficult work. Now, that, for most of them, they, they were fine. But one or two of them who never struggled at all just couldn't cope because when they looked in that toolkit of, uh, of whatever it needed, emotional resilience or how to get sleep well, there was nothing there. Well. And so good sleep people just sleep all the time. Bad sleep people seem to cope okay-ish some of the time if not most of the time. But the people who suffer bad sleep occasionally, they're the ones, in my experience, who get hit the most. So a lot
0: there, 30%. I always find it quite interesting because I I look at all these studies that are done and they come out, out with all of these. There's different types of sleep there's a standard eight hours is good for you then they say well it's a bit like the healthy eating stuff one minute is good for you the next minute it's well you only need six hours and then some people need seven some people need nine and i've got one of those fitbit things which every morning i look at it and it gives me a little graph as to deep sleep and light sleep throughout the night um, I mean it, it'll probably tell me I'm actually asleep right now that's how accurate it is but <laughs> people
1: to my children, so don't worry
0: <laughs> so I'm always I don't I think for me I always think it's just the individual and how they actually feel yeah. because I think everybody needs different stuff yeah. um Sarah has always needed deep sleep for yeah. you know eight oh. nine hours at least. Um, I've always managed on four or five. Um, but then i used to do shift work yeah many years ago and i think with shift workers i think it's different as well because for example one of the shifts that i used to do many years ago was i used to do four 12 hour days and then switch to f- the next day you then got a day off and then did four 12 hour nights right you <laughs> know um,
1: yeah, no, that, yeah. really, that screws your sleep up yeah, of it's like going across time zones your whole every cell has a little clock in it it's all controlled centrally we'll talk about sleep in the in the zone Hmm. that's january february is a major topic so we'll really get into sleep and go through the different types and depths of sleep but i think very 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 few people can manage on less than six hours teenagers that need their age plus one okay in hours so they they really they need a lot and But the problem you see is, oh, I'm an eight-hour sleeper. I need eight hours. So if I only get seven and a half hours, I've just built up my stress level, potentially, because I haven't got what I think. So therefore, I think I've failed. Therefore, I think I'm going to be tired. And therefore, I'm going to lean towards tiredness and become tired and and be irritable. Whereas if somebody said, Nigel, all you need is seven and a half hours, then fine. I've had seven and a half hours. So it's about expectations as well. So these Fitbits, I don't have them at all. I think they put sometimes cause a lot of a lot of anxiety in the morning. People wake up and think, oh, "I didn't get enough deep sleep because I think I should have." So it adds to their stress. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But other people love them. But it was an interesting headline, so I pulled that out yeah. because I know yeah.
0: it must yeah. be pretty difficult to quantify how someone's stress goes up by thirty percent. Don't really because these are all headlines I pull off of uh, national press and things like that. This you is didn't well,
1: figure think. of how many people were questioned, did you? No, yeah. <laughs> probably about 30 people in yeah. <laughs> we the office, um, yeah. well, no, You can quantify stress and we've got in the, in the zone, we have a question. We have a, uh, a two or three tests in there for people where well, you can put a numerical value on your stress. It is subjective, but you know, are you three out of five, four out of five? Well, yeah, but you know, when you're a five and you know, when you a two, so, yeah, we can we can put some value on it, and we can then... It's like quality sleep. We can quantify that. And it's the extended periods we're looking for, over two, three, four weeks or more, where you can pick up trends. So one trend, by the way, about uh, sleep and indeed stress levels, which I always think is fascinating, is, is the full moon. We've got one coming up in England, anyway. And before that, people generally find difficulty sleeping for a couple of nights. Uh, if you don't believe me, try it. Is that because they're howling? There's all sorts of reasons we'll talk about that in January, actually. But yeah, it, it's a definite it's an interesting thing because it's something that everybody has to do. Yeah,
0: it's not a choice. Um, so actually understanding it for yourselves, I suppose, is actually really quite important. And oh. I suppose also how it changes through your life because, yeah, yeah you know, as a 20 25 year old, as in someone
1: that's in their 40s, as in someone that's in their 60s, is yeah. going to yeah. be different. On it. You it you you need a particular chemical to reach a particular level for you to start feeling sleepy and all sorts of things interfere with that uh, not enough exercise long sort of food coffee all that sort of stuff and so it keeps the level down so oh. and that level peaks later the older you get and it's lower the older you get and oh. we can plot that we plot that in grass and see that so but it, i th- I think generally speaking, as you get older, I've noticed as I've got older, I need slightly less sleep to function pretty okay on, and I, I and I can go to sleep a little bit later than I used to have to do. So between six and eight hours, I'm comfortable I'm with that. Uh, cool. Sleep. We'll come
0: right. back. Big talk We'll come back to sleep, um, and certainly within the zone, we'll do delve into that a lot deeper, I think. Okay, so the next one. Uh, this is an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> so swearing your head off is a good
1: way to deal with stress apparently um yeah. it's what our american friends think cussing isn't it in america i think yeah, i'd be interested to see what the americans feel actually my view of American americans and um, forget the man himself of course who some people love some people don't is that uh it's 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 split there's quite a large chunk who absolutely loathe swearing uh, or cursing of any sort really yeah. and there are others who used it all the time in everyday speak i swear i'm quite happy to admit it i don't swear as much as a lot of people but when i swear i swear because i really do want to make a point i am emphasizing something quite you know i am yeah. really quite cross with you you know your behavior is so bad or whatever it is and, and i think that's the case about swearing Uh, it it is a release it is a way to deal with stress and frankly if it's your way to deal with stress then fine why some people might get offended but actually go to the toilet swear on your head swear under your breath go to the toilet swear if you have to swear aloud, do it away from people so you don't cause potentially cause offense but if it's your one of your ways of getting rid of stress and lowering your stress levels then you know I, I don't mind it too much.
0: I was going to say, if you're standing there swearing at other people, then surely their stress level is going to go up as yours goes down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they might get quite upset with you. But I think it, it, it's like everything, though. It, the currency of a word diminishes the more you use it. Sure. So it, it loses its impact. Uh, when I was a child in way back in the 60s, you know, somebody swore in my family, you know. Oh, Wow, you know, it was a major thing. People stopped and took notice. Yep. Whereas it has to be said, twenty years later, uh, when we've grown up a little bit, so it, it. It was not every day, but we didn't stop and take as much notice. Uh-huh. So the impact of it, uh, and perhaps it was a cry for help. I don't know initially, but uh, so I think you swearing if that is a way to cope, I'm all in favour of finding ways to cope that suit you, because one size doesn't fit all. You know, what works for me may not work for you. Um, what works for you may not work for
0: me. Um, uh, I must admit, um, being married to an East London girl, it's a bit desensitized around our house. Um, <laughs> so having that release probably isn't as effective. Well, that's um, very much like
1: you. Um, yeah, I, I think I that's swear. right. Um, Drinking. You see, a lot of people turn to drink for. for uh, stress release they go home Mm -hmm. after a long day i've driven back for my daughters today an hour and a half awful awful rain here in devon really bad conditions and some stupid drivers lots of big etc and that for a lot of people was very stressful and Mm -hmm. i can imagine lots of people going home and having go to the fridge and getting out a gin and tonic or getting out a beer or something or a red wine that's fine if that's if that works for them but after a while it doesn't work and wow. so you have to keep on top of things you keep reviewing what you do it's like when you talk to as a parent you talk to your children one strategy worked when they were five it won't work when they're 15 itself, it? or seven perhaps so you have to keep revisiting it revisiting how you talk to them what the boundaries are and so on so one size doesn't fit all if swearing works for you just don't do it near, near near people who might be offended i think really
0: just an interesting one. <coughs>
1: okay, right. Right. Let's, let's move on to the next one,
0: because I've got a really good one at the end. I've, I've only actually got four this week. Uh, right. I, I had five, but I've actually got four. So now this one actually didn't
1: surprise me. Right. Did, did they list what sort of creative activities they were talking about? No, it didn't. Right. <coughs> so we're, we're looking at potentially arty uh, pottery, using your hands, uh, using your mind, using your imagination, creativity could, of course, be on, in the physical form as well. It could be through dance. It could be through uh, music. Sport, music, of course, um, writing, and absolutely creativity. I mean, I'm I'm of the school of thought which says that everybody uh, has a creative side. Uh-huh. <laughs> in my case, I think it's very well hidden, but I think there is a creative side in everybody, and I think because perhaps our society doesn't big that up too much we don't give it we don't allow it to breathe as much as we could have done and we don't perhaps encourage our children to to get too involved in it we're perhaps too academically orientated at, at schools perhaps there's an interesting topic and so it is it is a way out for stress it is a way to express ourselves express our emotional depths because emotions are really heavy, you know, they, they, they're very difficult to nail down. If you tell somebody you love them or you hate them, these are big words. What does it actually mean? And trying to pin down how people feel exactly is, I think, impossible. Try and do it yourself. It's just not not easy. Or oh, I feel really uncomfortable. Well, what does that mean, being uncomfortable? So, I think creativity allows you an outlet to express that in a non-verbal way. And if that gets out, I think it's great. Uh, So it certainly does. I've seen it work so many times. And of course, there's so many um, creative um, therapies nowadays, Uh, art, music, even, of course, walking, Uh, but uh, it's more to do with exercise. But um, yeah, creativity, rock on. Although, if you ever see me dance, Kevin, <laughs> which I don't <laughs> recommend, certainly not very creative. It's more, me- it's like a machine, but not a proper robot dancing. It's just like a uh, 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 well, doing sort of thing. So yeah, creativity, go for
0: it. I, I wonder how many people, when they think about this, think that there's uh, expectation on them, as in if they're going to sit there drawing, that it's got to be good, and um, you know, and all of that, rather than you know sitting there and just doing something for yourself and it doesn't really matter what it turns out to be it's really the process not the the, the end result and yeah. i think sometimes maybe people feel some outside pressure to produce something that is in some form acceptable whatever that may be i don't know
1: but yeah. it, it's probably an internal pressure as well because i've got to be good it's got to reach a certain level otherwise it's not good and therefore I've failed, and um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Creativity, purely for the sake of being creative without showing it to anybody, just perhaps throwing it in the bin afterwards, uh, is, is if that's your bag, if that's what helps, then do it. But I think you're absolutely right. People go into say creative writing class because they're a bit stressed and they feel that actually this will help them with the stress they've been told it would help them with the stress. And so they're, they're a bit tense. They go in and think, oh, what happens if it doesn't? <laughs> and so on so you're right it's not the outcome it's the process of allowing it out allowing it to breathe and express itself and of course with time uh, i'm told it will get better unlike my dancing uh it will get better with with practice but if you think of a three
0: or four five year old and they walk up to a piano and they just bash anything they don't care but their face is so joyful And they'll get a crayon and they'll just do big whatever. It, I mean, it looks a complete, you know, whatever. But when you see the untamed joy that they have doing that, because there's no pressure on them because they don't know because they're so little. And I see when you, I see that. And then as they grow up, there seems to be this thing imposed on them. And school probably adds to that. Um, peer groups probably add to that. Um, that type of thing. But it wouldn't it be great to just be able to have a space somewhere where you could just smash all the keys on a keyboard and nobody cared, you know, as an adult, I mean, that would
1: just be amazing. Well, a lot of creative industries today, uh, their offices are like playgrounds. They've got slides for adults, they've got bean bags, there's no desks. uh, And it's all bright colours. And it is a bit like a playgroup for adults because they want to stimulate, they want to relax the staff down so that they can perform at maximum. It's a cunning and very sensible thing. You increase your productivity if the staff are relaxed and focused, they can focus more easily and for longer. And so there's a very genuine economic underpinning of it, but it, it seems to it seems to work for a lot of people. Personally, if I worked in that sort of environment, I'd go around the men, it, it, because it doesn't suit me, wouldn't suit me. I think for a lot of it. The problem you see with children plonking on the piano, uh, we've got a five, uh, when he was about three or four, the little one, our grandson, he was plonking away at Julie's piano downstairs. And uh, I thought it was great. It was a bit discordant. He couldn't play, obviously. And it was just sound, but he loved it. You're right about the joy. And our initial, uh, both Julie and I said afterwards, we had to stop ourselves and say, oh, don't do that because, etc. It's too noisy or something yeah. and we would we could have curtailed his interest i'm not saying he's going to be a great pianist no. to We're too often are too quick to say that's not right you should do it this way well let's just express themselves look at Picasso you know look at all these wonderful artists and writers who wrote out of the ordinary stuff and drew out of the ordinary stuff and, th- and the scientists who think out of the ordinary stuff because that's the way they are. So encourage creativity, encourage your own creativity to come out and absolutely your stress levels will diminish. And if you've got children, try to find something somewhere which allows them, without their own self-judgment, self-limitations in your, yours as well, allow them to express themselves. Uh, even if it's something like break dancing. It's <laughs> <laughs> not me, but you know, I gather some people like it. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Right, okay. Um, the next one that we're going to move on to, which is this, right, week, yeah. this week. Um, okay. Now, I found this quite interesting. This is happening up in Yorkshire at the moment. Oh, so doctors are actually putting their patients on a prescribed cycling program. Um, mm-hmm for not just the physical benefits but the psychological benefits as well so people that are on antidepressants that type of thing and it's i believe it's a 12-week program so it's not on the roads or anything it's within a center right um and apparently they're having incredibly good results um of people coming off and lowering um medication for depression and all of that type of stuff so i thought this was an interesting one because it's Done before, as in actually prescribed by a
1: doctor. I mean, that's a big deal, I think. Well, I, I'm thrilled that it's happening. I know individual doctors who have put uh, in, patients who are suffering from depression and anxiety and worry who are on pills, quite heavy pills, and they've pushed them towards uh, walking groups outside, rambling groups, and they've actually paid for. Uh, how they manage it, but they paid to join a local walking group. And in some cases actually, because I had no money they paid for walking boots and got people out mm-hmm. walking, exercising in the fresh air. You now, All every study done about stress and, and being outside says that it lowers stress, throwing your exercise on top of that. Wow. You just lifted it up massively. Mm-hmm. And if you're with people, Everybody says if you're with social, social, socializing, sorry, that will lower your stress. So it's a triple whammy. And yeah. if somebody else is paying for the bike, then even better, really. <laughs> of course. And all that, what happens, you see, I think, and you know, you, uh, people, I, I don't know a village or a ta- I don't know a town I've ever lived in where there hasn't been walking groups and there hasn't been gardening groups where people are just getting together. They know the value of it. They may not study the science, but they know it. And so I, I totally go for this. Personally, it, I think Yorkshire, parts of Yorkshire is a bit hilly for me. You know, if I was on a bicycle, it might, I'd have to be on the flat. Uh, but uh, if it works for people, fantastic. I'm glad it's trialed. I hope it's, a, uh, I'm sure it will be a proper trial uh, and then they'll be able to publish their results. Because everything we offer here in the zone, as you know, is ev- evidence-based. Everything, every bit of advice we ever give, there is scientific evidence for, for it. Although, Even though some of it might appear quite odd, there's proper studies done, proper scientific studies. So I look forward to seeing the result of that. And of course, it's going to save money, isn't it? If, you can get, if you've got 100 people doing a cycling thing across the country, and you can get 50, 60, 70 or, or so of those off pills... Not only is it good for their own well-being, their own health, the impact of the people around them, uh, their confidence levels boost, their productivity boosts in the workplace, their relationships with their children and their family, et cetera, et cetera. But it's going to cost less, surely, on the National Health Service. So totally in favour of it, totally. Um, I always worry
0: about medication as... uh... You know, sometimes we hear about people being oversubscribed, you know, given pills when they don't really need them, or being on pills for such a long period of time, it becomes part of their life. As in, you know, and, and whatever they may be, they all have levels because our bodies adjust to the level of the pills. So, what works this week might not work in a year or two years. And I experienced this with my mum, who was chronically ill, and she was forever having adjustments on medication because something could stop working just because she got used to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think from my point of view on this one, I think anything that can be prescribed as in the NHS will pay them to go on these courses yeah. Yeah. and stop some popping a pill that has the same benefit or even better benefit, then I see that as a massive positive uh, yeah. I mean my dad did it when he was um, my dad, the only thing my dad's in his mid-80s, the only thing he's got wrong with him is a touch of asthma and he was on one of those pumps, it started when he was in his early 70s um, and, yeah in his early 70s and his doctor said to him um, Oh well you're on this pump, you're going to be on it for the rest of your life and he's like oh well, I don't really like medication, is there anything I can do he said well the only other thing you can do is go swimming So he's like, "Mm, not sure about that. Seventy three years old, he took up swimming. Never swum a length Uh, in his life. Eighty five years old now, he's off of all asthma medication and has been for nearly ten years. All Uh asthma medication. Uh Uh He can swim a mile, which most Uh people can't.
1: (laughs) you
0: know Uh, you know and he goes every week he he does it it's one of these clubs that when the schools are off there they don't uh have it's term time classes only type of thing right but he's there every single week doing his lengths doing his
1: laps he's there diving and uh, 85 yeah uh, in his 70s couldn't swim and oh. it gets you out of the house doesn't it It gets you because so many, so often when you feel a bit anxious and depressed you don't want to leave the house do you feel ill oh, oh no it's easy just to sit and whatever so getting out if you can and doing something um then fantastic and no doubt i hope he's meeting other people perhaps for oh he loves it or whatever after this class. There's,
0: there's 14 of them he's the only man substantial age differences i think the next nearest one to him in age is in their early 50s um and then most of them
1: are sort of 30s that type of age it's a lovely time
0: they take him out for his birthday all of them take him out they take him out for a christmas meal
1: right and he laps it up all these women running around after him Uh, but that's the community aspect you feel better when you're with people they don't have to be your loved ones they don't have to be your best mates but when you're with you know acquaintances even it's fantastic and that's going to help your stress levels but the exercise the swim, yeah i mean pills are a concern we we all we, we both know, I'm sure, uh, doctors and people who, who are complaining uh, that they've had patients coming in every week saying, I want a pill for this, please, or a pill for that. These pills aren't strong enough. Can you boost, can I have stronger pills? I want more of them. Because we've created a society which, in, in some part, not every part, wants the easy answer. They don't want to work at the answer and commit to it. Pop a pill, easy. Going swimming every week. It's Not so easy, so I mean, I remember the old sci fi things from the 60s and 70s where when they're talking about the future, you probably can't remember that, but you know, we'd all be eating pills by now for instead of eating because yeah. preparing food and cooking food and washing it afterwards was so inconvenient and such a terrible time consuming thing. All you need is a little pills, so just pop it in and that's it. Well, fortunately, we didn't come to that, right? We never do because although it For example, preparing food is time-consuming. Washing up is time-consuming. It's part you're doing it together. Often you're doing it with another person, and you're experiencing what what's been grown as well. So there's indeed connectivity things going on there, Uh, and it's it's calming in itself. Preparing food, not if I do it. Uh, I'm not very good at it, but. my wife always gets a bit stressed when she knows I'm trying to cook or something. <laughs> so yeah, abs- uh, so pills are an issue, uh, the dependency, the the cost to the whole business, and the, the the taking away the responsibility for ourselves and giving it to somebody else. Yeah. I'd rather like the doctors instead of being the ones who sort our health out. Actually, we we see when we're well, and when we're, when we're not well then they should be paid because they haven't looked after us properly <laughs> 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 They should pay us or whatever i don't know yeah uh, I, i'm not sure the doctors are going to go with that no, I not, <laughs> job. But, but you know you, it, and then of course once you start sort of giving the responsibility to the state to the to the national service to the doctors to pills to medicines to that sort of stuff and if you go too far down that road then the complications increase you know you so you don't go out very much. Uh, you feel a bit lethargic. So you take a pill to help you can't sleep, take a pill to help you to sleep, take a pill because you, you, your blood pressure is too high because you're not exercising enough. And you got the idea. You cycle it on. So I think we need to make sure we look after people, obviously, as much as we can. And perhaps I think that one, one of the ways is too many pills. And uh, we need to try and encourage people into all sorts of other ways, looking after their health, whatever that is, their weight, their, their, their mental well-being, their physical well-being. True.
0: Right, I've um, I've got one more that we're going to talk about. Now, I've not pre-prepared this one, so it won't come up in a nice manner. Um, but this one is quite an interesting one, because if we focus this on also the world of teaching and how this may work, um, it's certainly some food for thought. Okay. So, Microsoft Japan tested a four-day work week, and productivity jumped by forty percent. So, they did it for a whole month in August, and it led to more efficient meetings, happier workers who took less time off.
1: Right. Um,
0: now, this is not new, is it? Talking about the four-week, uh, four-day work week, no. this isn't a new concept.
1: But now it looks like companies are starting to take it seriously. I think I'd want to see it for a longer time than a month because (coughs) it's like when you have a pay rise, um, then you feel quite chuffed. Wow, I've got a pay rise, tremendous, whatever it is, you know. And after a few months, two or three months, that's what you've got. I wish I had more money. Hmm. So the effect peaks you up. And then it goes down after a bit like coffee or coke you know, or alcohol, you know, it lifts you up a little bit, and then then brings you down. So I think I would want to see more than a, a month. I totally think that it's a great idea. Uh, and in fact, there's, there's quite a lot of these uh, business, quite a lot of these ideas about the economy. Let's let's look at it again. There's something uh, which they're trialling in parts of Finland. they tried it, I think, in Canada, parts of France. I think they're even thinking about doing it in Scotland or parts of Scotland. And that is giving everybody, like, well, that's a percentage of the population, a sum of money, the same sum. I think in Finland, it's, I think it's either 800 or €1,200 a month. And you could be working, not working. You could be work, earning a huge amount or very little, but you get the money regardless. And there's no strings attached at all. Yeah, you know, it's been going quite a few months, and again, you've got to wait for a few years, I think, to see this through. But they're already finding that people, more people who are in work, are going to part-time work, so it frees up part-time jobs to other people. Uh-huh. They, they, those who are in this and their families are going to the doctors and hospitals less. They're off sick less, and their productivity in the workplace has gone up. Has gone up, and their happiness has gone up. So. I don't know whether this is a model which will, be, which will work in, you know, after two, three years of trialing it, and whether it will work in places like Britain or wherever, or Japan. But I don't know whether this model, going to four-day working week, will go. But why not? Let's, why not? And the benefits are going to be physical health, mental health, social health of the, of the whole society. And that's got to be worth fighting for. Uh, we we've got too many, and I'm absolutely intrigued that this is taking place in Japan, where that culture of really hard-driven work, you know, uh, is just so deeply ingrained for the last since the Second World War, you know, and and they've had a fantastically successful economy based upon very few natural resources. They've done brilliantly, so. I should be really, I'm deeply interested in how this this shapes up in a few. Are they continuing it or is it just for that one month? No, it's just the, I've got the article here. It's just for the one month. Um, well, I definitely think other companies should be doing it and trialing it. Um, he, but they get paid the same, I presume. Yes, um, they also subsidize family vacations for the employees. Well, this is what you could call, um, and I might call, uh, either social capitalism or even some people call this sort of thing, spiritual capitalism, whereby you are looking at the bottom line, capitalism, making sure that that doesn't dip or should actually improve. And so anything I can do to boost that profit margin is good. And by really valuing your your workers at, at every level, And listening to your work is treating them in a manner which uh, they find appropriate and we might all do. Then you'll get more from them. So your productivity goes up and the bottom line improves. And there's no point saying to a capitalist, uh, somebody, an entrepreneur who's running big businesses or small businesses, look, it'd be really nice for your your team if they, they had a day off a week. No, you've got to say to them, look, try this, you will make money. And if you can save money or make money, then, you'll find more and more people doing it. That's the only way you're going to see this creep through social and spiritual capitalism will grow that way. And there are hundreds and I mean probably tens of thousands of examples across the world, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands just going on in small businesses like cafes, which close, Uh, they don't charge one night a week. They, They stay open and the staff give their time for free. All the food is provided free and you Pay or not. And there's no no prices there. So you go into the restaurant, you eat, you drink, and you pay or you don't pay. And you pay what you like. Oh. And guess what? They see the profits go up because people give more than they, they, they would be charged. It's, it's remarkable. It's almost counterintuitive. But I think, you see, what it's doing, to me, it's chiming in with a deep sense of desire to to give something back to people, to, to connect uh, in that manner. Uh, they, people, I think, realize that the problems of capitalism has been fantastic, but it has created some problems, the environment, social dislocations, the uh, lack of social mobility, et cetera, et cetera, and go on. But so it, these sorts of things, I think people know that and they want to do something. And this is a small, very small step which they can do. And I find like just giving uh, charitable uh, just giving website, those, those sorts of uh, uh, don't cha- fantastic. Loads of things are taking place all the time, all good news. Oh. Uh, so I, I think this is really interesting. I, I'm fascinated. It's in Japan. Uh, yeah. And,
0: well, I was just reading on the article that they trialled it in 2018 in New Zealand. Uh, same principle with a company with 240 staff. They right. trialled it for two months, um, and they said that within their, so much smaller firm, 240 people, uh, nice. this was with a trust management company. So that's quite high pressured. Yeah. Uh, so employees reported experience, better work-life balance, improved focus in the office and staff stress levels decreased by 7%. I don't know how they they must've done that on a scale of, how did you feel at the beginning, how did you feel at the end type of question, I
1: suppose. bottom line?
0: Um, that's all it says on that one. Um, yeah. So I think the thing is, they've, they're around the world, they're looking at this. Yeah. Uh, how that translates in the teaching world and the reality of the world, I don't really know. Because although if you take people down to a four-day work week, there's implications for working under a certain amount of hours because that makes you part-time. And certainly in the UK, that gives you different rights. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that, If you have to um, fill that space with someone else and take on more staff, that's an implication for the company, because there's a cost associated with every member of staff. Uh, You've got another member of staff, it's another payroll, it's another um, induction, training, blah, 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 so there's that side of it as well. and. I think with all of these things, and we see it within all regulations, and I won't go into it too much because it's off of the subject of, of what we're talking about, yeah. there has to be the right balance. Now, I'm sitting here thinking, well, how would this work within the teaching world um, if they took teachers, yeah. all teachers, including head teachers, from yeah. five days a week, which is traditional Monday to Friday schooling for has-been right. since I've ever known it, um, to four how would they manage that and create a stable
1: teaching platform well you're right it, it these everything right, to four days well if the students get to four days uh then you've got a knock on effect who's looking after the students and the pupils? Mm-hmm. obviously um one day half two half days could be given up and they could be done online you could rotate your teachers who are off and so on you could the, the the problem will be, of course, that if I've got if I'm teaching a class three lessons a week, and I'm not there one lesson. Somebody else is taking it. That's a little bit of extra burden for the teachers to coordinate and you know etc. And it's not ideal from the the child's point of view either. Mm. But it's not it's not impossible. Uh, staff costs in a school round about easily seventy five percent of of the um, income they get from the from the child premium etc. So it's um. It would be a problem, but try it. It's like the schools who see that actually they've done the research, they've read the research on the adolescent brain and the teenage brain, how it has changed and when it functions best, and they're saying, look, they don't wake up, they're not ready to absorb information until a little bit later than eight thirty or nine o'clock, and so some schools are trialling starting at ten, ten thirty even, instead of finishing at half two or three, they go until four or four thirty. Uh-huh. Um, other schools are trialling, uh, or talking about trialling, I don't know any schools that are doing it at the moment, but talking about trialling, instead of three chunky terms, one very long one, the, the Christmas term, the winter term, uh, breaking it down into uh, quite a lot of six-week terms, uh, rather than just three. So uh, there's, there's lots of ideas out there, and I think you're right, I think people are trying to do something, because they recognise the importance of stress. A well-being and work-life balance and that there is something more than just work in the world uh, and it's called whatever you want to call it really but it is it is a as far as the rights go I think that you just need to pass different laws I suppose um, to overcome that but I think uh, it's good that they're looking at it and experiment yeah. with this stuff
0: because that's how progression happens is by yeah. someone having an idea playing around with it over a period of time testing it and see what 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 is actually really workable and what's not and you know we've, we've been stuck on the five-day work week for a long time they then back in the late 80s early 90s introduced sunday as a normal working day uh, for shops opening and all of that stuff uh, so we lost that um and now we're sort of in the position where actually they're saying maybe we've gone a bit too much
1: well, yeah. At the same time, they allowed shops and pubs and clubs to be open all through the, you know, twenty-four hours, and, and not all the time, but you know they are. And so we are very much in a twenty-four-seven culture, three-six-five or whatever, and that can be a little bit frightening. I think it can be. It can be very demanding. It's very noisy. It's very, you know, intense. Indeed. I. I, I but let's let's see what happens with all these little things going on. And but I'm delighted they're going on in the world. Uh, and I want the proper research done. I want the proper proper evidence. I want it to extend out to more people. Yeah. Hi, right. Hey, Laura. Can you hear us? Hi. Hey, Laura. Laura's frozen. I think. I think Laura's frozen. <laughs> like... Oh, is she coming back?
0: Hello. Hello, Laura. Yeah.
2: There's been a bit <laughs> of time right here. I'm. I'm outdoors in the wind, and
0: this may not work. You're a little bit jiltied, um, but, but we can hear the wind, and we can hear you just about. Can you hear us okay?
2: <laughs> I can hear you guys as you break up a little bit. I I thought I would have a good enough connection out here, but maybe I don't.
0: Oh, it's better, it's a bit better now. And so, for those of you that are watching, this is Laura. Laura's part of the Calming Zone team. Um, and uh, she, well, you can introduce yourself, Laura, because Nigel did it last week. So tell everybody what it is that you do with the carvings,
2: Well, I use the Alexander Technique to pay attention to how I'm doing with um, taking care of myself and to increase my awareness of what's going on and to make choices that reduce my stress, and choices that to uh, to do things with the optimal amount of energy instead of overdoing. When we're stressed, we are often overdoing everything and using too much energy, and that's part of what makes us stressed.
1: There's a big. There's a whole. Week's discussion on that alone, isn't that Kevin? I think mean, it's such a big topic. but um, so, you know, I look forward to Look forward to uh, uh, Um, topic.
2: so I'm gonna try walking over here, see if I get a little better reception in the arms and building if I can steal their Wi Fi. <laughs> um, and if it doesn't work, I'll roll next week and I'll be able to come on a little bit better. Um
1: well, isn't it great that night? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, ideal. I'm looking at the sun shining behind her and that blue sky. Yeah. Wonderful.
2: Isn't it it is really pretty and I and I took a little time, partly because of this, to walk outdoors. And so that's really good. It's just to get fresh air, even if it's cold.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: It helps. And um the thing I wanted to say is, is that when we get stressed and we try to go faster and faster and faster, you can hear my voice even thinking about that, that I get more tense. And in order to go fast, you actually need to be relaxed. And the more relaxed you are, the faster you can go. And the more you can get done in whatever amount of time you have.
1: So Wise words we'll talk wh-
2: about it and I'll figure out another way to connect
1: yeah
2: when I have better Wi-Fi
0: well if, you, if we can manage it next week maybe we'll do a slightly later show next week Laura and you can come on and you can do um, one of your scans with people to finish the show out
2: sure that would work and the thing about this here is I'm on my phone and stream you are 100% happy with the phone <laughs> I think it likes Wi-Fi better on the laptop yeah Okay. Yeah, so I'll conclusion. let you guys conclude. Okey-doke.
0: Well, thank you for coming in, and everyone, oh, you. Yeah. you see
2: you soon. Take
1: care.
0: I'll see
2: you next week. See you
0: later. Oh, that was nice that Laura came in. Laura's uh, one of the team that's based over in the US, so she's in um, Midwest, Kansas. Um, so it's always great for her. It's sort of, it must be early afternoon. She's about six hours behind us. So it's probably one two o'clock in the afternoon, Uh, but sure. I'll get her to come on with us next week. And uh, Laura's, um, Laura's, what she does, um, is really quite phenomenal. I won't spoil it for everyone, but to experience it is something really rather special. So,
1: um, how long do people move to it, Kevin? Sorry? How long will people need? What oh, she can just yeah. like,
0: when we do these shows, what we're going to do is we're going to, each one of our, our experts, Nigel, Christina, or Laura, will do a signature sign-off if we like. So Nigel's is his breathing techniques, Laura will do a scan, and Christina will do a sitting exercise you can do, or a stretch or something. Um, that You can do, and the pur- purpose of it, we'll do the same one, Dependent on who's on with us each week, because the purpose is the repetition. Yeah, it's the repetition. It's not learning a million techniques and doing them once. It's learning a few techniques and repeating those techniques. That is where you really start to get the benefit. And I know this through the martial arts I do. Um, you know, you don't go into a dojo, get shown it once, and suddenly you're Bruce Lee kicking around. Um, you've got to go in constant repetition. Um, yeah. Uh, and in martial arts it's called muscle memory so you repeat and it creates a muscle memory and i'm sure with some of the stuff that we do with our mind it creates the same type of effect Um, so that's why we do that and that's really important so all of the techniques that we do on the in here on the show are going to be one or two minutes long we do within the zone of course and those of you that haven't yet joined the calming zone, which is free at the entry level membership, you can gain access to a couple of the techniques that we've given in there, or you can upgrade to the full membership, which is only a five or a month at the moment, and you get the deeper level stuff, so the longer guided meditations that may be half an hour or so, and the different breathing techniques that you can do, and the full Alexander technique. Um, and Christina will do, well, she's already done a heap of videos. Of different exercises you can do, no matter what your level of fitness and stretches and all of that, that all complement each other, um, which is the purpose of this to relax you, make you feel good, deal with situations that crop up and all of that that type of thing, which is our goal, of course. So, so yeah, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna hand over to Nigel now because we're heading on for just gone twenty past. So Nigel going to take you through his um, breathing technique. You can do it with him. I did it with him last week. um, And I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to switch him on now. So you can take it away, Nigel.
1: Okay. Uh, The first thing we're going to do two very simple um, exercises. It's something we do all all day long, thank goodness. It's simple breathing. And what I'd like you to do first of all is just to count, just, just don't alter your breathing, but just count how many in breaths you take from when I say start and when I say stop. And The the time between the two is one minute. So uh, whether you feel it's a minute or less than a minute or more than a minute, it will be a minute. Um, The elasticity of time is an interesting topic. This month's uh, topic in the calming zone is time. So if you're interested in time and how how you're affected by it or how you affect it, interesting. Here we go. So starting now, so just don't change your breathing. Count in your head the number of in-breaths and how breaths you take. We take about 27, 28, whatever thousand breaths every single day. We do it subconsciously. We do it when we're not thinking about it, thank goodness. When we're asleep, we still breathe, obviously. It's an important commodity, and it's important that to remember that to get the air into our bodies, uh, it brings in a really important element called oxygen. oxygen is needed to relax us, it's needed to allow us to focus, to be efficient, to be effective, to be alive, to be truly alive. And our brain needs about a quarter of all the oxygen we take in all the time. And considering it's only about three percent of the body weight, then that shows you how important oxygen is to the brain. So the minute is just about to stop. So Depending on how many breaths you took, some people might take eight, some people might take six, some people might take 20. Just remember that figure. And this time I want you to breathe in with much more control, with a much more focus on the breath. And as I go like this, I want you to breathe in. Breathe in through the nostrils, slowly. And then I want you to breathe out, as I bring my hands down, through slightly pursed lips, as if you have a straw in them but with control. Now, we're going to do this a little bit more slowly, so uh, you have to really make... uh, Are you ready? Here we go. Breathing in. And now slowly, with control, breathing out. Breathing in. Really fill up your lungs, fill up the, the abdomen. And then breathing out. Let it out slowly, be cont- in control, don't push it out, let gravity to almost, to let it pull it out by gravity. Breathing in. And out. If you're gasping for breath, then do stop, please, if you're, if you're turning blue in colour. And out. And one more. So there we are, another minute. So what we're looking for, to boost your concentration, to boost your focus, um, to boost your the nice chemicals, if you like, which reduce your stress down, you breathe between four and six times in one minute. Now, you're going to breathe anyway. That minute is going to come, it's going to go anyway. And you could be doing this on the tube, on the bus, in the car, in the office, in the bathroom, or wherever. Just Try and focus on your breathing just for one minute. Just four to six breaths. That's all. Now, the second technique really goes to this whole issue of getting the oxygen into your your brain, because after about an hour or so of sitting still, the bottom half of the lungs really don't have a lot of oxygen in it. It's got air in it, but it hasn't got a lot of oxygen. So we need to take in... The air we need to hold the air in the lungs so that the stale air if you like can mingle with the new air and then we can breathe out more than we put in so we're taking some of the old air out and so i call this a sort of six eight ten so i'm going to breathe in and to a count in my head of six hold it for a count of eight and then out for a count of ten you know, it was just my counting you can count on six, 40, 80, you wish, but not too much, I'm sure. So here we go. Are you ready? Just always with control. Always with control. Breathing in. Holding it. And out. Breathing in. Holding it. And out slowly. Now, this time, I want you to go six, 10 and 14 if we can. Are you ready? Last exercise applies. Just holding it. 10 and then out. So if you do this, that simple exercise of slow controlled breathing, 4, 6, 8, 6 10, 15, whatever you wish, but in that sequence of in, Hold it longer than you breathe in, expelling more air than you than you held it for. Then you do that for I don't know, a minute, two minutes. You're putting in tens of percent more oxygen into your brain. You are going to be more efficient. You're going to be more effective. You're going to be more together. You're going to be more relaxed. So two simple techniques. Give them a whirl, please. All right, Tim. Awesome. Thank you, Nigel. As always,
0: that signs us off for the week. So I hope everyone's enjoyed um, the show this week. I have; it certainly opened up some quite interesting discussion. Yeah, thanks, sir. Yeah. So um, yeah, I look forward to next week and uh, look out for the link to come and join us if you want to join us on camera or just on voice. If you don't want to, if you're camera shy, we can have you just with your voice on. That's no problem, and um, you'll be more than welcome. Uh, yep. The replay will be up in a few minutes once we've uh, signed off. And if remember, if you are in the teaching world, if you're either a part-time teaching assistant, no matter what level of teacher you are, from right the way down to nursery school, the way up to uh, university level, you're more than welcome to come and join us because you'll all have things within your working day that may just need a little bit of attention that we can help you with. And if you're a parent, And you're watching your child struggling with exam nerves, struggling with overwhelm, struggling with stress, but you don't quite know how to approach it, anything that you can, where to guide them, really, or anything like that, or you want to learn some techniques and get some advice, then the calming zone's for you as well. So at the moment, it's free to come in at the entry level, and you'll see what's in there we've got a couple of months worth of training in there um and you'll get access to a part of that so that's it for me for this week thanks nigel thank you kevin great fun as always and we'll uh, catch you next week thanks a lot bye